Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Welcome to Sound and Vision. Guy and I is a painter who works out of Tel Aviv. He's shown his work in galleries all over the world, and in 2015, he started up Yundler Brondino Verlag, which publishes artist offset books, special editions, and other projects. He's showing his new work at Freeze Art Fair with the Breeder Gallery, where I caught up with him and we discussed his history as an artist. This was the first podcast I recorded in an art fair. We set up next to Roberta's Pizza on the outdoor deck in a lively environment. There's plenty of environmental sound, but we felt the charged atmosphere of the fair made up for the quiet calm we usually have in the artist's studio. Here's our conversation. Are you a music fan? I'm a huge music fan. Hit me, what's your, what's your go-to? Um, I think someone like John Zorn. Okay. He's a composer and a saxophonist and fruit jazz and everything. He's pretty much one of um, the most inspiring people that still influence my work you know as much as any painter yeah yeah were you into tony conrad too yes who just, just passed, passed away, away yeah. yeah he just passed away yeah he was amazing did you ever see him live one time in the 90s i think at the meatpacking district when it was still meatpacking district there was this club called the cooler oh yeah i played there our band played there it before. was amazing yeah it was an incredible it's an old meat locker downstairs it was amazing yeah I used to love that place. I mean, I was 18 at the time. Yeah. I saw a tremendous amount of good music there. That was before, well, maybe Rare Gallery was there, but that was before any of the galleries. Before there, Chelsea, really. before anything. Yeah. This was 1995. I remember, um, well, it wasn't until about 99, 98 or 99, when uh, Casey Kaplan moved right by the cooler, right? Right upstairs from it, I think. I was in, in New York then. Yeah. In 96, 97, I left New York. And um, I was only, I lived in New York only for two years, mm-hmm. in 1995, 97. And where were you living? I was living one year in the East Village and one year at the South Street Seaport um, by the World Trade Center, which back then was, you know, at night it was a ghost town. It was completely empty. Yeah. Yeah, so let's go back to your, your early days. So you grew up in Tel Aviv? No, I grew up about an hour, hour and a half north of Tel Aviv in a port city called Haifa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very beautiful town. It's on a hill. It's a very kind of historic town. And then it's a big port town, so it's kind of like a worker city. Mm-hmm. And at the age of seven, we relocated to outside of Boston, to the Boston area. So how long did you spend in Boston? Mm, I was in Boston till I was... 18 to go to school, so from the age of 7 to 18, and we moved around a bunch through through the Boston area. And then at 18, I went to Parsons School of Design. Yeah. Uh, it was cool, but you know it wasn't what I was looking for. Yeah. Then I went to the New York Studio School for one year, and that was great, but also wasn't. It, it was kind of an extreme in a different direction. It was just painting. And I was, you know, I was very young. I was the youngest one there. And then I went up to Amherst, um, to Hampshire College, where I finished my degree. And I didn't like it there also so much. Mm-hmm. 
but my father was getting kind of pissed at me and he said okay you know you just get a degree and then do whatever you want because <laughs> get it over with yeah right? get it over with this was crazy so I think I was at Hampshire for two and a half years so my whole kind of education was four and a half years in three places and so it was kind of a hodgepodge mess yeah. of all these different ideas and different teachers and different kind of methods uh, something which now I find really useful yeah but right after was kind of confusing also kind of having friends from this place and from that place and from this place and um, the first few years after college was kind of like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do we do now yeah yeah well I've t talked to a few people about who've spent a lot of time traveling when they were young or being moving from place to place and living from place to place not just yeah. traveling and um, it seems to have a unconscious profound effect on the way that they make work or think about imagery do you feel like at this point of doing it for a while, you have an understanding of like what you're growing up in the different environments, maybe informed what you do? I think that I'm honestly just starting to tap into that. Mm -hmm. And the show that opened uh, a week or two ago at Rod Barden was kind of the first show ever where I really directly dealt with it. You know, I, I basically I painted the first house that we moved into to Boston after leaving uh, Israel, mm -hmm. and I painted my neighbor's house. You know, and I named the show um, uh, the road which we grew up on, mm -hmm. Fox Hill Road. Yeah, completely generic road which I'm sure every kind of suburban town has. And for for many years, this kind of part of my life was like a black hole where I I didn't really have any memories. I didn't want to go to these memories. I didn't want to. I didn't want to kind of enter these years of, of my life um, and I think that it, this effect has always come out in my work whether I wanted to or not but I'm starting to really consciously deal with it Yeah. Uh, especially in painting these kind of American houses and being into this kind of in a way this kind of like middle class nostalgia imagery from the kind of 80s that somehow I've been into for a while. I think this is the first time in this Brussels show where I'm kind of, where I'm naming it. Yeah. And I, I also being moved around and, and uh, speaking different languages and, and growing up with different languages and, and, uh, and, and different cultures, I think that <clears throat> it adds this kind of, uh, this nowhereness, this kind of displacement to the work, which uh, which is something that I really embrace. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, a lot of times you'll have a plant, and the, the plant is nowhere, or our house, the house is nowhere. These these places, which I kind of could be anywhere, and this kind of, or or you know, painting something which I have uh, a completely intimate uh, experience with, like doing a huge painting on my living room. And then doing the same painting, I mean the same exact size and format and parameter of, of something that I've had, that I've never had any direct experience with. So being able to take the kind of the most intimate experience and the most kind of abstract and maybe intellectual experience and to kind of <laughs> freeze <laughs> and, uh, and to kind of approach them in the same way, I think that, that for me it's very natural and very easy yeah. and it's something that I, I really like now I, I, I embrace it what about um, the artwork that you saw when you were 
were younger, you know, moving from place to place, were you able to go to different museums and see different shows? Was it a big part of your mm. upbringing? Or? No, not really, not at all. Um, I mean, in the 80s in Haifa, I don't think I went to one gallery or one museum ever. It was just kind of, you know, there wasn't really, a, I think, uh, in my family and also kind of my surroundings, there wasn't this kind of consciousness of, of art. So how did you get to it? I think completely natural, just just drawing all the time. And I, I remember when I moved to the States, I was in second grade, and then they had this uh, kind of drawing something where each each grade would have to be represented by someone. And I was uh, representing the second grade class, and I was drawing these flowers in a black background. And I'm thinking it's not so not so far from what I'm doing now. This is about, you know, 30 years later or yeah, something right. like that. You come back to some yeah, of your earliest... It, it's the same thing, then the yeah. same thing. It just, it just, I think, being aware of it and now doing it in a, in a, in a conscious way right. and being aware of it and, and that and then doing it as a kid, you know. It's funny how uh, I would imagine almost every child draws. You yeah. know, it's just something you do. It's like, you know, you just get a box of crayons or you get some markers and you draw. And then for some people, they just... They stick with it. Yeah, like it just comes. It's pretty back. simple. Yeah, it or never left. It yeah. never left. I was always drawing. I remember back in the day, this was when the Boston Celtics were the best. You know, with Larry Bird and Donald Bird and and all these people in the Celtics. And I remember mm -hmm. I would draw the Celtics shirts and in the football and the New England Patriots. I was really into these kind of these logos, yeah. and these colors, and this kind of you know, and and all these. You know, maybe the graphic elements of, of what they wore and how they dressed and and these things like I as a kid I loved it. Yeah, it just fascinated me. You know, I used to and also copying like uh, playing cards like king, queen, jack. These kind of things were seemed incredible to me. Yeah, I noticed with kids too that. Um, playing sports a lot of times I mean they're really into the, the uniforms and the teams and I think they just part of it is associating themselves with the group you know, yeah. and feeling like having that teamwork but the yeah. uniform becomes so important to so important you know, like you you yeah. really cherish those things yeah I know that we both have kids and both of our kids are really into soccer yeah and I know that you know that, that when I ordered my son a shirt of his favorite team and I wrote you know, I wrote his. I had his last name. I mean, our last name, Yanai, written on the back with his favorite number seven, and it uh -huh. came. And I mean, he does not take the shirt off. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. when he went to wear it to school, to <laughs> camp, to in the morning, at night, yeah. to any event. And it's it's like just it's getting that shirt off of him is is really hard. But it's this kind of it's this identity, and it's this kind of it, I think for children and subconsciously for adults, it gives everyone this kind of strength this yeah. kind of like identity okay now i'm you know under the sponsorship right, <laughs> of right. this bigger idea this bigger thing this bigger club and that it always kind of seems to, to strengthen people yeah so especially children right so that's a good segue to art fairs yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. having your work in in a big production like this what's yeah. it what how do you feel about it um, I know that there's a whole debate, especially primarily among artists, about you know the relentlessness of art fairs. Um, I like it. I'm not gonna lie, and I, I don't want to over-intellectualize it. Uh, I think that all of us we work really hard, we work really hard in the studio, 
and here's a chance just to get our work shown by a lot of people. Yeah. And you know, when it, I think it's a fantastic context. I think there's a lot of great galleries here. Um, um, especially for me, you know, I kind of, I don't live in like a major art city. You know, I live in Tel Aviv, so it allows me kind of in you know a few hours to kind of take a read on, on what's going on and. Um, um, I, for me, I only have positive experiences from art fairs, and I think this this freeze here on Randall's Island, it's one of my favorite fairs. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think also too, artists bring a knowledge. When we come to an art fair, most of the work, not all of it, but a lot of the work we've seen before, and we've seen it in a context like that person's show, or you know, so we can understand how it looks within a yeah. given context. I think it could be a problem. I do. Essentially, like if people are only experiencing the work, oh, absolutely, and like this giant group show where they're moving through really quickly. But I think most people understand the work or have seen it. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think the crowd that would come here, especially on, on the first few nights, is is an educated crowd. Um, I think beyond some kind of price point, the um, the people who are engaged in it are they have an education about the work that they want to look at and, and for, uh, for collectors the work that they would want to you know uh, acquire or, or live with or something like that and I think a lot of the artists that come with you know they know they know this, these, these are their peers and they, they want to see what they're doing yeah. a lot of uh, the work here I know is people make it like right before the fair yeah. I mean especially like freeze or something you're not going to have you're going to have pretty recent work by people um it's it's not a replacement for a show. It's not a replacement for a gallery. It's not a replacement for a museum show, but it's one more thing, and um, um, I have no problem with it. And I'm very happy to, to to show at fairs. And I must say that they 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 do now take up well over fifty percent of my studio time. Yeah, well over. Which is 50%. amazing, right? Because they didn't exist not too long ago. No, and now it's like, and there there are. There are a lot of fairs, and there are a lot of good fairs. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm getting back, and immediately have to start working for some more fairs. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's decentralized a lot of the art world too, which, yeah. You know, I'm sure some people in major cities feel is an issue, but I think for a lot of people who are in, you know, places outside of New York and London and Tokyo, you know, it's it's really nice to be able to go somewhere and see all this work from all around the world. It's fantastic. And every time I come to an art fair, I see a handful of artists that I've never seen before who aren't showing in New York that I don't have the opportunity to see their work in person, which is really great, you know. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's good for students too. When students can make it to an art fair, they get exposed to a lot of work in person, which is a big deal because when you're not seeing it in person, only in reproduction, and then you get to go see all this stuff, this huge work in the yeah. flesh. I mean, just the crates alone in there are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've, been, we've been walking around trying to find a place to set up and, you know, the amount of crates and the huge crates and it's like an army in there right now setting up the fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it is an experience. Uh, you get to see the work. I mean, it's quick. It's five days. Um, and uh, the, the decentralization thing is completely correct. I mean, I, that's... I think the way the world is now, I could, I can live in Tel Aviv, you know, and and not have to be in in a major European city or in the States, which I think 10 years ago, 12 years ago was completely would not have been possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, 
Um, so, I mean, I mean, I always say now, I think that it's like, if you have three things, you could pretty much live anywhere. Like, if you have kind of a democracy or a semi-democracy, mm-hmm. uh, a FedEx and, and, and uh, <laughs> an internet connection, you can pretty That's much work need. anywhere. Yeah. That's all you need, really. Yeah. And... Um, so, but it's great. But you know, the past uh, the past few months I've been traveling a lot. And the past few years I've been traveling a lot. Um, and I think that also becomes it. It does enter the work. You know, it kind of this kind of residue of it. You know, this kind of you know like like the soil or something. It's kind of like the travel is a rain, which slowly kind of pours into the soil. I mean, uh, I think you can see people. This kind of slight difference between people who travel a lot and people who don't. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes the what the French call uh, terroir taste a little different, you uh-huh. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. So you're really, um, from what I gather, into also the um, like books and the relics of a show, which I think, you know, is an amazing part of an exhibition. It's funny to think about yeah. the internet and how much of a trail that leaves now that it used to used to only have either the magazine review or the book or the catalog from the show. Or, or people used to print invites. Does anyone yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah, those things. And so um, it's something that's important to you, I think, and then you've started your own publishing imprint. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. One, uh, uh my partner, my girlfriend, who uh, we met about a year and a half ago. We kind of both had this dream, and to to Salaka Art Publishing House. And so, you know, I think I think things are really much simpler than they seem. So we just did it, and we, you know, she's a, an art director and designer, and uh, so we did it together. And we're both, ups, you know, have this obsession with print, and it's not a replacement for the internet. It's not against anything. It's I think we live in a time where. I think, uh, for speaking for all and I, it's not being against anything. It's the opposite. It's being uh, pro everything. Yeah. So, you know, we're pro Instagram. We're pro Facebook. We're pro internet. We're pro Tumblr, and we're also very, very pro print and mm-hmm. paper and and the physicality of an object, because you might have a Google search and kind of like, you know, the installation views online somewhere. But I think that when you have a book. You know, like something, a very kind of, you know, well-attuned book that describes the show. I think that just makes the show live longer and, yeah. and has a real, gives a real physicality and a time and a place. Something that, that we hope will, will, you know, be, will go against that kind of temporal notion of the show that will give some kind of a more longevity. Yeah. You know, and we're also we're, we're really excited that you know one of the next um, major catalogs we're doing is is for your show, and I want to, everyone out listening. It's gonna <laughs> we are producing an extremely beautiful. <laughs> uh, I think it's like over a hundred page or something for for your upcoming show, and we're really excited about that. Yeah, I'm very and, excited uh, too. The design of it is amazing. I mean, you guys really take. Go all out on really making that's each one the, stand yeah, out. Yeah, all was obsessed with papers, and we've had just for your book alone about like 30 FedEx envelopes with different paper samples come in, and uh, I don't want to give away too much, but it's it's a really it's a really beautiful book, and there's some great text in it, and uh, it's something that for sure I think is 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 gonna kind of um, amplify the power of the show, and it's something that will make. 
uh, your show have a kind of more longevity and you know I, we've been very proud to work on it and you know we're very proud to do the to work with other artists I think when when uh, since I started having some kind of success in the studio you know I've always wanted to, to put as much capital as I can back into the studio practice mm -hmm. you know to everything I, that that to kind of you know okay to, to, to improve my studio and one of the things of that was this publication company and it's kind of it's a way of I don't know if giving back is the right term but it's a way of really kind of you know to work with the people that artists that we love and to do things that we love and to produce physical objects uh, of other artists work um, that we're just really into yeah so it's it's fantastic. It's I've always thought of, um, you know, books and show catalogs and as kind of an extension of the, the show Absolutely. itself. Absolutely. In a way that back when I used to get vinyl, you know, and yeah. it had the fold, like you, yeah. the pull out, yeah, they would pull well, it out. And I remember one of the so first... so exciting to the, read the liner yeah, notes. right? Yeah. I, I remember getting the Michael Jackson Thriller record and <laughs> folded out. And it was that, you know, yeah. him reclining with a tiger and like yeah. holding it up on my front wow, door outside it's to wow. show people. Yeah, and it's so just... Yeah, it's. I feel like it's moving. That it is, and it's, you know, Instagram or like thing, Facebook and things like that, um, expose you in a different way to people, and like there's this immediacy to it. But there's still yeah. something to be said for that kind of tactile extension. Of it will. Things. It will never go away. Yeah. I think, just like you know, film and photography has made painting better and stronger and more itself. I think all of these digital things and social things have made prints and art books even better. Yeah. You yeah, appreciate I, it too. You know, I, you really I, appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. I appreciate the the offset printing, and I appreciate the editions and and the textures and and the feel of things much more. Um, so, in in that sense, like I really love all of it, everything. Yeah. You know. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask is, what's the music scene like in Tel Aviv? Um, the music scene is pretty good. The thing is, is that. I'm kind of too busy that I don't think I don't think I've gone out past ten o'clock at night <laughs> in about three years. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't tell you how good it is, but I know a lot of people come out, and there's a really ind good independent local thing. But I'll be honest with you. Usually, if I'm not with my kids, I'm pretty much uh, I'm reading or watching a bad TV show and uh, yeah, or yeah. just working on the computer. So I think now that when when I am home in Tel Aviv. That you know, when I am when I am home in Tel Aviv, it's I'm really focused, and I rarely go out, and uh, I really just try to like wake up early and be in the studio as early as I can, and then have a quiet dinner, and then just um, it's I think everything is just kind of geared towards the, the studio practice when I'm home. So yeah. that means uh, being a little uh, less socially. Um, Engaged, but I think there's no other way I can do it otherwise. Yeah. Were you going to see music a lot when you were in New York? I was. Yeah. Like, almost every night. There's I've, so many venues. Yeah. I mean, I remember that the Tonic on Norfolk Street. Oh man. Yeah. The they had factory. great people who would play there. Just you would go in one night and see Medeski Martin and Wood yeah. play a, a set. I saw Medeski Martin and Wood with John Zorn. I saw Medeski Martin and Wood with Mark Rebo. Uh, I saw Medeski Martin and Wood with my brother at CBGBs. I mean, this is I hundreds of shows you yeah. know, that's one thing that it, uh, it kind of shaped me this these few years in New York and the amount of music I saw was like 
I don't can't find the adjective, but it would be a really nice big one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and I think it's it really stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because now I mean there's venues, but it's not like it used to be. Well, now Tonic is a gallery, right? It's. Um, I think Tonic is Lisa Cooley. Yeah, Lisa Cooley. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, is weird to go into that space and think yeah, of how much hundreds music. Hundreds of people, yeah. Yeah, I used to see so much music in there, and now yeah, it's I like saw kind of amazing music in there. I saw so much good music in there. Also, I remember, you know, in, I had to go to the Village Voice, and you had to find, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, the you, listings. You, there was no, nothing was on the internet yet. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we sound like two old guys here. <laughs> We're not so old. That's you know? kind of the theme of this podcast, <laughs> is just talking to people my generation, my yeah. age, about how things were. <laughs> yeah, I had to go and look at what show I wanted to see, and then you had to memorize it and write it down. And you know, if you didn't check the Village Voice, you wouldn't really know what shows were going on. You couldn't Google it. You couldn't just. There wasn't an app. Yeah. No one had cell phones in 1995. None of my friends in college. You know, I think I went to college without a cell phone. It's so, so different, and it's really interesting too. Like thinking of the art world, how different. Because we used to look at the, the times, like the listings that yeah. were in the times, or the voice, or timeout. Yeah, yeah. And now there's apps that are just all the shows that are around the city. I don't, I don't even have that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's there's so many. It used to be kind of, I guess that's why the, the criticism was so important. Not just criticism, but it listings very were very important. Because if you weren't on that list, people might not know. That Remember the gallery guide? Oh, yeah. You yeah. had to be in there. Yep. Yeah. And that stuff was printed like two months beforehand sometimes. Yeah, you had to have the image. and he, Not the image. You had to have a slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slides. <laughs> you had to have a slide <laughs> of your work. Um, yeah. Yeah, anytime I hear students complaining about these applications for grants and stuff like that where they s- email in 10 images, I'm like, you have no idea what it used to be like. <laughs> slide carousels and all that stuff. You know, I've been trying to... I opened up Snapchat, and when I opened up Snapchat, that's when I really felt... Okay, I have no idea yeah. how this works, and that I just deleted it. I, yeah, I, I, I did the same thing. I can't. I don't know. I don't get it. It's only for one day. It's a video. I have to write things in the hearts, <laughs> and the, I'm like, this is too much. I can't. It's do a weird. It's it I has to be it. a cutoff, like 1976 or 77. Yeah. If you were born before then, you you cannot use Snapchat. I don't know how. To, I just don't know how to use Snapchat. For the first time, I felt like. I don't get this. I don't understand how to find people, add people, what's going on, and so. It, it, it looks like when I did the same thing you did and I couldn't figure it out, Yeah. I felt like when my dad tries to use a remote control and he looks at it like yeah. it's an alien spaceship and he starts just hitting yeah. random buttons, yeah. I feel like. When my mother writes on Facebook on my wall and she doesn't understand that people can see it, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, you know, there's some things you just can't catch up with, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have planned? What's coming up in the future? Um, well, right now I'm in New York, so I got to, I'm showing with the Breeder at Freeze, and um, in a few days I'm showing with the uh, Galerie de Rouillon from Paris at NADA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm in a few days I'm in a group show in Amsterdam called Gardening mm-hmm. at uh, Flatlands Gallery. I have the show at Rod Barden itself right now in Brussels till, uh, till late May. And I think in just some more fairs, Art Amsterdam and Code in Copenhagen, and I think in September is going to be a project with uh, with Harper's Books, with mm-hmm. Harper Levine, which I'm really excited about because they do great things. Nice. Some things in Germany at uh, David Achenbach projects uh, near uh, Dusseldorf. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm really excited about like, uh, 2017. I'm going to have a really big show at uh, Amerengar McHenry Yohe. Uh, nice. The whole space, place. yeah. It's a gallery that we both show at, yeah. and it's a fantastic gallery. So that's gonna be like like a really big, you know, big New York show in 2017. So that's that's the main big thing that I'm really uh, working towards. Nice. Um, but you know, I mean, I I basically I just paint pretty much every day. So. I was gonna say when you're in your studio, and let's say you have two or three things on the horizon that are coming up. Yeah. Are you working for each specific show? Or are you just working and then basically no, I, you curate I, your show mm, out of your work? No, I, I, I would. I have this board and I have like a studio manager and we basically, every project is, is written down. And then I consciously make every project for that, you know, project. I, I would have, uh, you know, the floor map and the size and, and the kind of the configurations and the dates. And uh, so every project is kind of tailored towards that specific place and, and time and, and, and venue and, and, and size. And uh, I don't just make paintings and say, okay, this will go for that, this will go for that. I mean, it, it, sometimes it does happen when things get really stressful, but usually I'd want this, you know, I'd want every project to have the kind of a coherent theme on its own and then I want the, the big big body of work to of course also have a coherent theme yeah but there's also all these kind of you know tone differences between each each little project or each big project so yeah so I, I mean I really kind of try to separate like I'll you know I'll, I'll put okay these five are for this and these four are for this and I just move to a bigger studio now and it kind of helps me kind of organize and, and, and to, to to, to figure it out. Yeah, I you know the first show I ever did in uh, New York City, which was at Max Protech Gallery, mm -hmm. um, was just it was the paintings that I had made leading up to that date that they gave me. You yeah. know, and ever since that Sounds first show, so naive and beautiful, right? Yeah. Ever since that first show, they've always had an idea, yeah. sort of theme. And with my work, a lot of times it's specific to, yeah. you know, like surveillance or mountains or whatever yeah. it is. I'll just have something that I'm into. Yeah. But I kind of pine, I kind of pine for those days of yeah. like just making seven paintings that are completely different, unrelated. And but there's a relationship in the fact that they're just these paintings, you know. I think one day I hope to get. To let me do a let show. me tell you something. You're not. No, never. No, it's, that's that's over. it. It's done. I don't think that time is. It's a great memory and hold on to it. Yeah. To it there, but I don't think it's gonna. <laughs> you can't unknow that. Like what? No, now you're the not show. gonna. I don't think you're just gonna do some paintings and like yeah, let's just put all these in the show, like like your first show. That will never happen again. Yeah, it I was mean, amazing to be able to do that yeah. and have no self-consciousness about it at all. It's exactly. just, oh, these are just, you know, yeah. seven paintings that I've been working on that are just wow. different things. You know? It sounds like, it sounds like so fun in a way, so... Uh, free. Yeah, so yeah. free, yeah. Definitely. That's, I think, the biggest maybe struggle or um, thing I think we both strive for is, is you know, to, to have these projects, to have this pressure, to have this... Um, you know, to have these deadlines and to be completely free within these parameters. Right, yeah. I think this contradiction is what makes some artists great. To yeah. be able to, to be like, okay, I have to produce this show that I'm doing and I'm going to put every single thing I've got into it. And within these parameters of the gallery space, the, the time, everything, the shipping budget, is to be completely free. Yeah. Yeah. I found lately, I probably in the last 
I don't know, a handful of years, I've had more and more opportunities to do projects, especially with doing animation, where I could project yeah. things or show things in different places, different venues, not just a gallery. And I find it extremely like fun and interesting to think about how, like I just yeah. did a thing for the bullet train in Japan, yeah, like animations. It's, it's like, it's such a specific project to be yeah. able to spend a month there and, and research the area and then make these animations and then they're being shown only there on that one train in Japan. It's yeah. such a, a, like I would never come up with that without exactly. that project. So That's I really the beauty like of that. collaboration. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even though we're both sitting here at Freeze Art Fair, I think in a way maybe the biggest achievement that artists or you know that I strive for is in a way to cross over the art world yeah is to get is is to get to have an impact beyond the art world and something like you know the bullet train project that you just did is something that is like you know it's it's, it's inspiring and sometimes I've had a collaboration with some uh, with fashion companies so one that years ago and another one there's another one coming up and it's these little collaborations that sometimes you cross over and you enter different fields and and uh, yeah these things really excite me you yeah. know there's kind of when you when people get touched by your work and who are not people that are the other general kind of viewers that you've been accustomed to that people in the galleries and, 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 and curators and, and your and your peers when you kind of cross over that that kind of you know it, there's a power to that which is kind of you know always makes me happy yeah I love sharing the work with people who yeah. you know aren't purposefully coming through a gallery to see the show but they just happen upon it yeah you exactly. know like working out in the public doing a couple murals here and there it's so much fun because yeah. you get I mean you get also these, people like uh, you know tell you exactly what they feel of what you're oh, doing yeah you at get the, time. the raw reaction yeah. you know like yeah. well, what, what, what are you doing up there and yeah. you should do this you should do that but it's kind of fun because you never really get that yeah that experience you know in the gallery yeah, and you honestly, you're almost never there when your work is is yeah. hot. I, I don't want to ever be. When, yeah. when, when my show's up, I want to, you know, leave the city that is up as soon as possible. Yeah, you're like thinking and working on the next project. I don't want to be there. Already. I don't want to, you know, you know. It's, I think it's too, you know, it's too emotional to kind yeah. of hang out at the show or something. Or, yeah. I think people it's a, do that. It's really strange. I know, just hang around like, hey, I made yeah. that. They put hey, on Facebook, <laughs> hey, I'll be in my show till 2 p.m. Do you want to come? I, yeah, I nothing can. is more foreign to me than that. You know, the last place I want to be is hanging out where people can just walk in and say what they think about my work. Yeah, those people have kids and then they play soccer games and their parents are on the <laughs> field like trying to <laughs> save the goal or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a certain kind of uh, person that likes, yeah. to, likes to hang around and yeah. be there for the event, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. So, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a for lot, For taking Brian. time. And we'll, get, we'll do part two of this one day in, in the studio, too. Oh, so. that'd be amazing. I'd yeah, love to have you over. We'll follow up. You should up. come. Yeah. I can't wait to go. Yeah. Yeah, you have a gallery in Tel Aviv, so yeah. one day you'll have to come. Yes, I will. Yeah. All right, great. Okay. Thanks a lot for taking Thanks the time. Thanks a lot, Brian. Okay.